Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a really great episode. The NBA All-Star teams are set. We know who will be in the matchup. Dunk contest. Three-point contest. Super exciting. That game is tonight. Do not miss it. In the MLB, we've had one week of spring training games. And obviously they don't count for anything. But they're still very exciting. In the NFL, there was a huge signing. But we've also had a couple of other large trade rumors and other trades around the sport. So definitely stay tuned for that. And college basketball is coming down to the wire. This week, they start championships in a conference, a Big Ten championship, Big 12 tournament, ACC tournament. These are going to be nuts. Stay tuned for us breaking all of that down. But Andrew, let's jump right into the NBA. A couple of nights ago, on Thursday night, we had the NBA All-Star teams picked. Team LeBron, and Team Kevin Durant, but since Kevin Durant won't be playing, the honorary captain is Team Kyrie, so we'll call it Team LeBron and Team Kyrie. Andrew, who is on? Team LeBron. Well, Vine, LeBron with the first pick since he was the, since he had the most all-star votes, and LeBron, as the face of the league, basically had to pick a great team. So with this first overall pick, he picks Giannis Antetokounmpo, second pick, Stephen Curry, third pick, I believe, Luka Doncic, and to round them, that's down lineup, Nikola Jokic with himself. So that's a starting lineup of Stephen Curry, who's probably the best point guard in the game, Luka Doncic, who's probably the best shooting guard in the game, LeBron James, who's probably the best small forward, Giannis, the best power forward, and Jokic, possibly the best center. So, yeah. And then, on LeBron James' bench, he has da- Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard as his top bench player. He also has Jalen Van, Chris Paul, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, and DeMonte Sabonis. Now, Vine, can you please break down for me Team Kyrie's team? Yeah, Andrew, this team is definitely not as good, but it's still a pretty decent team, so let's start by breaking it down. Their starters are Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, and Joel Embiid on the bench. It was picked Devin Booker, but he is injured, so now it'll be Mike Conley. They also have Zion Williamson, Nikola Vucevic, Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, and James Harden. Now, Andrew, obviously, Team LeBron looks a lot better, but obviously, it's the All-Star game, and the best players don't always win out. It's not anymore the flashy players, which still definitely looks like Team LeBron, with Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LeBron James. We know all of them are going to have some crazy antics, but obviously, on the other side, Zion Williamson. I would not be surprised if he gets 25 points just because of all the alley-oops he's going to get. This game will be nuts. Definitely. You definitely should watch it tonight on TNT. It's going to be a great game. I strongly recommend watching it. Now, Andrew, around the NBA, can you just break down a little bit about tonight's three-point contest, which will be right be, be before the game and dunk contest at halftime of tonight's All-Star game. And can you just tell me who's in it and who you might think has a good chance to win? Well, fine. In the dunk contest this year... We have three very young players. We have Obi Toppin, who is fine, but I don't know. We have Anthony Simmons, who was a young shooting guard for the Portland Trailblazers, who, I mean, is a fine dunker, but definitely peg him for one of the league's best. And finally, we have Cassius Stanley, who you probably only know because he played for Duke last year and is now on the Pacers. He hasn't made a single NBA dunk. 
To be honest, I really do not understand any of these picks. Maybe sort of Obi Toppin, just because he had a lot of hype for this year. But I really am not very excited to watch this. But it is a dunk contest, so no matter what happens, this should be exciting to watch. Now let's get to the three-point contest. He put it, we'll be playing. Are Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, Stephen Curry, and Jalen Vatt. And apparently Devin Booker was picked to play, but apparently he was injured for the All-Star game. So he might um, be in the three-point contest, or Mike Conley might take over, or they just might take out a spot. I'm not sure. But out of those guys, I have to say my pick is definitely Stephen Curry. I feel like he is a phenomenal three-point shooter. But I also feel like we should watch out for Jason Tatum. He is not as great of a three-point shooter. But as a young guy, we really do not know what to expect from him. Should be a great job from him. And then, in the Rising Stars Challenge, just give me... I'm guessing you don't know all the guys that are in it, but just give me a guy that you think might have a good job in this. Yeah, personally, I think it just might be DeMonte Sabonis of the Pacers. He's been having a monster season, and with the rebounding challenge, I feel like he could be really good in that. But also, Robert Covington. Now, normally, this is the Rising Skills Challenge, which obviously, Robert Covington is the opposite of Rising. He's one of the oldest players in the league at 36, but still... I feel like Robert Covington, just the amount he's played, how he knows the challenge, I'm guessing at some point in his career, he played in it. So I feel like that could easily be a big advantage. I feel like Robert Covington has a decent chance to win, but definitely also have to watch that tonight. Now, Andrew, obviously, the All-Star Game is big news and all of the events around it. But I'm going to break down a little bit about all the stuff in the NBA that's not having to do with the All-Star Game. Andrew, Blake Griffin. Got bought out by the Pistons. This now means he is a free agent. Any team that wants can sign him to a long contract. Now, Andrew, right now, the frontrunners have definitely been the new, the Brooklyn Nets. They've said they really want Blake Griffin, and he has said he would love to go to them. They're currently trying to work on a money situation, but nothing has been finalized. But, Andrew, how crazy would that team be? Kyrie Irving, possibly the top point guard in the league at point guard. James Harden at shooting guard, possibly the top one. In the league, Kevin Durant at small forward, possibly the best player in the league. Blake Griffin at power forward, sure he's not that good, but he's still pretty good. DeAndre Jordan at center, and Joe Harris, one of the NBA's top three-point shooters on the bench. This team looks like it is clearly championship-bound, but with Griffin, it seems like possibly a guarantee. Now, Andrew, with Andre Drummond of the Cavs center, we still have not heard any news. Again, remember that they have been shopping him, looking for any team to trade for him, but no teams have really gone after him that hard. Now, a couple guys that have been going after really hard are Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, and John Wall. All three of them are being heavily targeted by the Celtics and Heat. The Heat has said they definitely want to make a blockbuster move before the trade deadline, which I believe is March 24th or March 26th. The Heat have said they will trade Tyler Hero, great young player. They'd also trade Duncan Robinson, a solid player. They would also trade a large contract in Myers Leonard or Kelly O'Lennon. Not a ton of value there, but obviously depending on who they get. John Wall seems like a pretty good fit there, as the Rockets have basically just said they're trying to get young talent. Now, obviously, Hero is one of the top young talents in our game today, so I feel like that would not surprise me if they made that trade. What surprised me is if they went out, and traded for Kyle Lowry. I feel like the Raptors would be stupid to do that trade. 
Yes, they have a great point guard in Fred VanVleet who can take over, but I feel like it's just not a great idea to get basically nothing in return for Kyle Lauer. We'll have to see how these trades continue to play out in the coming weeks. We'll try to keep you updated. Andrew, in the NFL, I said there was a huge acquisition. Who was it? Well, Ryan, as you know, J.J. Watt was cut by his former team, the Houston Texans, and he signed with... The Arizona Cardinals. He is going to Arizona to join Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in that pretty good defense with Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, and Buda Baker. A lot of people have already seen J.J. Watt. He goes into an ice bath and posts on, I believe, Twitter and says, I am ready for anything, Arizona. Bring it on. And I feel like just seeing him go there, seeing him really want to help them as much as possible, really leads me to move Arizona up in my power rankings for this next year, but just with J.J. Watt. The question will be, can he stay healthy? And even if he is playing, can he play to his full potential? Over the last couple seasons, we've seen him play in about now it's 13 or 14 years of season, but really has not been playing all that great. Still probably a top 10 offensive lineman, but we really do not know what is going to come. Vine, I believe last week, I said with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Ryder, both of them would probably be quieting rumors by this week, and neither of them would be traded, and I was it, no, I was correct, neither of them have really had any rumors over the last week, basically the only team that's really fighting for both of them that hard is the Bears at the moment, there are some other teams that are kind of lying in the weeds, the Saints, the Raiders, they don't really know what they might do, the Cowboys haven't tagged Dak Prescott yet, but in the Jets, fine, before we get to the NFL draft in about 10 minutes, fine, I people think that the Jets might take Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick. Ryan, if you're the Jets, do you A, take Wilson, B, stick with Sam Darn, or C, either trade for a different quarterback or draft a different quarterback? I mean, this pick is really, really tough. Here are the questions in my mind that I have. Is there a guy at the number two spot in the draft, after clearly Trevor Lawrence, that you would really think could change your franchise? If you think, wow, Devontae Smith looks franchise-defining, he's the wide receiver out of Alabama, he could change a franchise forever, then great, go get him. Is Sam Darnold good? Not really, but is he that bad? No. And if he is a great receiver like Demonte Smith, maybe he becomes pretty good. But personally, I feel like, no, that's not going to happen. And personally, when you ask me, should they sign someone? No. Unless it's like a guy who's a rookie last year or a second-year player from last year, I just personally think you cannot sign for a guy right now. You're a team that was looked to possibly go 0-16. Do you really think you're start? You're going to make the playoffs in the next couple of years? Personally, I think draft Justin Fields out of Ohio State. He's a great quarterback. This team really needs a leader. Trade Sam Darnold for maybe a second or third round pick or a decent player, and boom, you turn it around. Second, you got a great second round pick. Draft a great defensive player. You might even have a decent team, but we'll see what happens. In my opinion, yeah, fine, I agree with all your points, but if I'm the Jets, I try as hard as I can during the shot. This second-round pick, bet on yourselves, give them next year's first and fourth-round pick to get Deshaun Watson. In my opinion, for the Jets, obviously, the draft will help you, but sorry, when you're that bad, and to be honest, you really just have no one, no one that good on your team, I feel like you have to start with a superstar in Deshaun Watson. But, Vine, let's get to the MLB. As you said, spring training is underway. To be honest, we really can't deduce much from any of the games just because, basically, the maximum pitcher pitches is an inning and a half. A hitter, basically, 
never hits over three times per game, and even if they do, we haven't even had one two home game yet. But, fine. Let's break down the MLB season, okay? Can you tell me just first who you think will be the top teams in the American League this year and how you can deduce which team will make it to the World Series? Yeah, Andrew, this is tough. The American League has a lot of really good teams, but none of them really stand out. But if I had to pick one team that has the best chance of making it to the World Series, it's clearly the Chicago White Sox. As we keep on saying every single week, Lucas Giolito, one of the brightest young stars in the game. Jose Abreu, last year's MVP. Lance Lynn had a dominant season last year, and this year looks to have another great season. We got one of the top prospects in the game in Michael Kopech. They've also got another one of the top prospects in the game in Andrew Vaughn. They also have last year's Rookie of the Year contestant, Luis Robert, who is very close to winning it. And a ton of other great players like Eloy Jimenez, Nick Madrigal, um, Tim Tim Anderson, who had the best batting average in the league two years ago. This team is dominant. But two other teams I think are really good are the Houston Astros and the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays have possibly the best hitting lineup in the league. Their pitching is really shaky, but they're hitting will clearly make up for it. The Astros have a lot of question marks. Last year, obviously, coming off the cheating scandal, it was just not the year. Almost every guy on their team did terrible. This year, we'll see if they can turn it around. Yeah, fine. I do agree. The Astros should be in for a comeback year. But I'm sorry. I just feel like with the closer being Ryan Presley, losing George Springer in the offseason, Alex Bregman is coming into the season injured. I feel like just too many odds attacked against them. And Justin Verlander probably won't even pitch until midsummer. So you're stuck with Zach Granke as your ace. Lance McCullers as your number two. And I just heard that I believe their third best starting pitcher, not Christian Javier, but their other, I forgot, I'll think of it later. But I just feel like the Athletics are going to be a great team. A lot of people forgot about them. Just because they're so average. But Matt Orson, Matt Chapman, Frankie Montez, Sean Manaya are really, really going to help them. They also signed Trevor Rosenthal in the offseason, which I feel like should help. Another team that may not be in the top of the league, but I feel like we should not sleep on is the Kansas City Royals. You may think of, oh wow, the Royals, that's Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler, and who else? But this offseason, they got to sign Mike Miner. They have a lot of good young promising stars. And they signed Carlos Santana, who could be a top first baseman in the lake. And they also have Alberto Montesi, who personally I think is one of the worst hitters in the lake. But he's projected to have 50 stolen bases this year, which is about 25 more than any other player. So that could really, really help them. And with other young stars, that could help a lot too. But, Ryan, quickly, we all know in the National League, the Dodgers and the Padres are probably the best team. But just tell me. Are there any other teams that even have a chance to take on those teams? Yeah, and there are two teams, the Braves and the Mets. Both of them easily have two of the most electric lineups in the league. The Braves have MVP winner Freddie Freeman. They also have possibly one of the the, the second brightest young star in the league in Ronald Acuna Jr., second behind Fernando Tatis Jr. But Ronald Acuna looks to be possibly one of the brightest young stars in our game right now. He is projected to have a monster season, 35 home runs, 30 stolen bases. He will do great. I feel like the Braves are great contenders with the dominant pitching staff, but the Mets, Jacob DeGrom, 
every single year up for the Cy Young Award. Obviously, they just signed Francisco Lindor, possibly the brightest young shortstop in our game today. They also obviously have a great running out. Obviously, two years ago, Rookie of the Year, Pete Alonso, who got 50 home runs. Pete Alonso was crazy good. I feel like the Mets and the Braves might be able to give the Padres and Dodgers a small fight. But again, Padres and Dodgers, head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, but Ryan, a team that we should not be sleeping on is the Washington Nationals. Obviously, everyone says, oh my god, Andrew, they were horrible last year. They're like the third worst team in the league, and you would be correct. But Juan Soto will be here for the entire season. Trey Turner, what he did at the end of last season, if he even does half of that this season, could be phenomenal. Victor Robles had an off year. If he comes back in half as good as his 2019 months, he could be a monster. Max Scherzer was barely there. Stephen Strasburg was barely there. Patrick Corbin had an off year. They signed Brad Hand in the offseason, in my opinion. And they signed Josh Bell. Ring your bell. Who went to the home run derby just two years ago. I feel like that lineup could be phenomenal. And they also have amazing young third baseman, Carter Keeboom. We will have to see what happens with the MLB and more updates next week. Now, Ryan, let's get to the Timberwolves. We know that, obviously, we haven't played in about two days because the All-Star break. But, Ryan, I have to say, for once, I am not happy that we are not playing on a day. Ryan, since Chris Finch has arrived, when, as you may know, Ryan and I were so happy that we got a new coach. We thought, oh, my God, Carlton County is going to be amazing. We are going to be, I mean, not like one of the best teams, but we are going to be so much better. And, Ryan, we have been horrible since... Chris Finch has arrived. We are 0 and 5. 0 and 5. We're on it. Ryan's telling me we're 0 and 9. 0 and 8. 0 and 8. And I believe we're on a nine game losing streak or something like that. Chris Finch is not helping at all. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that he has to be one of the best coaches in the league. I'm not saying that he has to win us half our games. I'm saying we have to win once in our past eight games. Corey Towns. He's healthy, and he's never healthy. When he is healthy, we should be winning enough games to at least not be a top five worst team in the league. This is terrible. So, Ryan, I can't even talk about how bad our team is. I just don't want to talk about it. But, Ryan, in some actually surprisingly good news, the Timberwolves have said they're looking to acquire one of three young power forwards. Those are John Collins, Aaron Gordon, and Larry Nance Jr., Brian, obviously, I think we all know the order of Collins, then Gordon, then Nance in best NBA. Brian, who do you think for their price could be good for the Timberwolves? Personally, I love Larry Nance Jr. You said he's probably the least best player of those three guys, and I have to agree. But when you have to look at if we want him, he's young. He can play center. He's got great defense. He's a great rebounder. He seems like a great team first guy. He's got a lot of NBA experience. And personally, I would love to get Larry Nance. It looks like a trade package would probably include Jarrett Culver, possibly Josh Okoge, probably Jake Lehman, and possibly a first or second round pick of next season. I would love to acquire John Collins or Larry Nance Jr., and I guess I'd be fine with acquiring Aaron Gorn, but it will definitely have to continue to watch what this does. And this week, the Timberwolves only play a couple of games, so we're not really going to break that down that much. And... The Timberwolves are only one of less than 10 teams in the NBA to have a single gotten a dunk contest, skills competition, all-star game, or three-point contest. So, go Wolves! Yeah. But, Ryan, some rumors that personally, I just cannot believe what is happening. 
I've seen at least three or four teams saying that at the trade deadline, they are definitely going to go after Carl Anthony Towns if he becomes available, which they think he will from the Timberwolves. Ryan, obviously, we don't want to trade Cat, but if we did, what would you like to get in return? Yeah, I mean, clearly, we need a big man. Also, I love draft picks. You might know that about me since I talk about it almost every week, but I love draft picks. Anthony Edwards seems like a great pick. You have to remember, Carl Anthony Towns was just one pick. All we need is just one first-round pick. I mean, it's unlikely that we get another guy as good as Carl Anthony Towns, but maybe we do. Jared Culver was one of our top picks. Josh Okogie, late second-round pick. Jalen Noel um, was, we drafted him, and he is looking great. Nasri went undrafted. I feel like the Timberwolves are not very good at drafting, but maybe we can get lucky, and that's all we need. Obviously, I don't want to trade Carl Anthony Towns that much, but if we do, we need a lot for him. We'll continue to monitor these rumors, and obviously the trade down is at the end of March. So we've about two more weeks for these rumors to possibly become into real offers. So we'll have to continue to watch this. Now, Andrew, let's move on to the Minnesota Twins. Obviously, we've only had one week of games, but can you tell us any large or even small takeaways from the Twins games? Well, Vine, obviously, we started out 2-0. But since then, I believe we are 0-5. And you might say, mm, spring training doesn't really matter. But, just our offense, I feel like kind of same as last year towards the end of the year. Just could not get hit. We get two or three hits per game. And, we're only averaging less than three runs per game and giving up over six runs per game. But, I just feel like, hopefully, once we start playing with actual guys like Nelson Cruz and Adelton Simmons and Josh Donaldson, in some of these times, where we may get a guy on second and have... I don't know, like someone that's really not good, good hitting like Williams Ostadio or Ryan Jeffers. But instead, Nelson Cruz or Josh Donaldson was a must, much higher chance of getting a hit. So I just feel like hopefully later in spring training we'll know more. But, Vine, real fast. A lot of people have been saying that Jose Brios kind of an off year last year. But Vine, how good do you think Brios could be by about a year from now, going into the season after. Yeah, do I think he's going to be a top pitcher in the league? No, but I think that he could easily be a top 20 or 30 pitcher in the league. This guy has great spin rate, and personally, I think he is a dominant pitcher who, last year, was actually pretty good. And for the past couple of years, has been really good. He's just never really been able to find that dominance as a starting pitcher. But, you know, maybe this is the year. You never know. We'll see what happens this year with the Twins, but this week, we have more spring training games. Hopefully, we win them all. Now, Andrew, obviously, we don't have a ton of news about college basketball, since it's really hard to follow so many teams, but can you just give us a couple of huge headlines out of college basketball? Scratch that. I will tell you some headlines out of college basketball. And right now, by Joe Lunardi's ESPN's own number one seeds projected in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, we have. Gonzaga at number one. This is no shock. They are undefeated, dominated every single game. Number two, Baylor, who, as we said last week, just lost to Kansas, but still is in a reign of dominance at, I believe, 24 and 1. Number three, Michigan, who has had a monster season, and they only have one loss. And that was to the Gophers! But Michigan is still having a monster season, projected the third best team in the country. Number four is Illinois. Who, as we said, lost their incredible player, Ayodesumu, but he is back and just not still one of the top players in the country. 
But hopefully, Illinois can go. Again, that's two teams from the Big Ten in Michigan and Illinois. Now, the number two seat, there's Alabama, Iowa, Ohio State, and Houston. Again, that's four teams from the Big Ten. And obviously, you might think, okay, Ryan, cool, go Big Ten, I guess. But, Andrew, just remember that this week, the Big Ten tournament happens, where all of these teams will face off. Now, obviously, Iowa right now, it looks like, no, there are three teams behind Michigan. No way they can pass them. But if Iowa wins the Big Ten tournament, or Michigan wins the Big Ten tournament, or Illinois wins the Big Ten tournament, or Ohio State wins the Big Ten tournament, any of them might even be the number two team in the country. This tournament is going to matter so much. I strongly recommend watching it if you care about any of these teams. It should be a crazy good tournament. Also, I definitely would say that the Big 12 tournament and ACC tournament will be worth watching. Now, Andrew, let's go to our Minnesota Golden Gophers basketball team. Well, Ryan, the Gophers have set a school record. Ryan, never in Gopher basketball history have in one single season. We have had the exact same results in every single away game. But that changes this year. Ryan, this year, we lost every single road game. We never won away. Luckily, not all of our games were away, but almost half of them. And I'm not saying at home we went undefeated either. At home, we went about maybe like 600%. And away, as I said, we won 0% of our games. And I believe about maybe 12, 13 games. Just terrible from the Gophers. Just, we could beat some of the good teams, but we just never beat the teams we had to. We just could not. Now, kind of like how I was saying with the Gopher football team, we do not have a great chance to make the uh, to make the tournament. But I feel like if we do win at least one or two games in the Big Ten tournament against, I mean, we'll probably have we probably won't even get the chance to play Iowa or Illinois or Michigan or Ohio State. But if we can maybe hit Northwestern, then maybe come close to beating Iowa or Illinois, that could really sway some people in thinking that, hey, maybe we deserve a 14th or 15th seed. Obviously, there's not a great chance of this happening, but I feel like there is a vote and there is a light at the end of the tunnel for the Gopher basketball team. Now, here is Ryan with something else. Yes, Andrew, but before that, quote, something else, let's look at two picks in the NFL draft. Andrew, today's picks are the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Chargers. Andrew, can you break down the Chargers draft pick? Well, yeah, Ryan, as many people know, the Chargers have a very good young core of Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but all those guys are on the offense. They gotta get some defense. Obviously, the defense is pretty good, but in my opinion, if I were them, i definitely look to add Gregory Mosier, the defensive end out of, um, out of Miami. I know I always say this for the Vikings, but since their pick is next, if I'm the Chargers, I would love to swipe this guy up. Or if he's not open or they don't like him, I would definitely take Quiddy Pay, also a defensive end from Michigan. Both those guys had amazing last seasons and should definitely be taken around there for the Vikings, I have to say. More of the same, i definitely go with a defensive end here since we actually we will get to that after this. But I feel like for the Vikings, we have to sign on. Or maybe if Rashawn Slater 
offensive tackle out of Northwestern drops significantly, Vikings should definitely try to pick him up. Or, I believe his name is Elijah Version Tucker. I believe he's an offensive tackle out of USC. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Well, that's not his actual name. I feel like we should take him too. Right. Real fast. In the last week, there was some small Vikings news. Right, I'm guessing you don't, but do you remember what it is? Yes, it is. We signed a decent defensive lineman. I believe it was Stephen Weatherly, who played for the Vikings a couple of years ago, but is back. We might not need to take a defensive lineman as much now, but I still think it'd probably be a good idea, as he isn't that good, and is mostly just there to fill a roster spot in case we decide not to draft a defensive lineman. But, Andrew, now let's move on to my story. This is a really interesting story, so please listen closely. His name is Jim Eisenreich. He was born in 1959 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. As a kid, he was very socially awkward and experienced interesting movements such as extreme jerking and ticking. Also, he was very talented at baseball. On the field, he just looked like a normal kid, playing very well. But off the field, there is nobody like him. In high school, his behavior continued to be different from others, and he continued to dominate on the baseball field. He was a great player and got some major league scouts to watch his games in 1980 and was drafted to the Minnesota Twins. In 1982, he was invited to spring training with the Twins. He played very well and was on their opening day roster. He was doing great for the Twins in the pros, but continued to experience a lot of facial grimaces and insane amounts of twitching. Jim also um, really struggled to handle criticism, which his teammates knew and understood. One game at Fenway Park, which is the Boston Red Sox Stadium, he was very scared, with tons of loud fans screaming at him, and he started to twitch. And the fans didn't get quieter. They started to mimic him and make fun of him, which is terrible. Eisenreich was really upset, and was so upset, he had to remove himself from the game, and sat in the quiet locker room. On one occasion, right in the middle of a game, right in the middle of a pitch, when Jim was playing in center field, he sprinted to the dugout while tearing off his clothes, screaming he couldn't breathe, sprinted outside into the street, was picked up by an ambulance, and rushed to the hospital. Jim clearly had a very serious serious problem and was ruled out of the rest of the 1982 MLB season. He sought advice from dozens of doctors, but none of them could really figure out what was wrong with him. He returned to the Twins for the 1983 season, but just after two games, said he didn't want to play anymore and decided that he would take a leave of absence from baseball. He though decided to come back for the next season and played in only 12 games before swearing that he would retire forever and never return to MLB and cut off all ties with the Twins. For the next couple of years, he worked out some small jobs and played some baseball, not in the major leagues, and did some painting. He thought his life in baseball was over, but he played so well that some major league scouts started coming to just some games with his friends, or nobody was trying that hard, but Jim was. The Royals and the MLB offered him an opportunity to come back to the pros. The Royals coach was the old coach of the Twins when Jim had played for them. When reporters asked about Jim and his condition, he explained that he had Tourette syndrome. His first symptoms usually are involuntary movements of the face, arms, limbs, and trunk. Body. The, the tics often happen a lot, but he can never help them. They happen very often, and they happen for a very long time. But the most common symptom is ticking, where things are just grimacing, and they cannot expect it. Jim had a pretty good season with the Royals. He wasn't amazing, but he stayed with the team for the whole season and even returned the following year. 
1989. He had an amazing season in 1993. He went to the Phillies at the age of 34, with his career probably only a few years away from its end. He had an awesome season, leading his team to the World Series, where they ultimately lost. In 1997, he signed with the Marlins at 38, old now, not an everyday ball player, but still played fairly well. He was moved to the Dodgers in 1999 when he was 40 and didn't really have any role on the team and decided to retire. His hitting was incredible in his career. He played amazing and dominated during most of his career on the baseball field. He was able to overcome having Tourette syndrome to be an incredible professional baseball player. Just imagine, making it to the pros is incredible. And having a successful job with Tourette's, but having Tourette's and making it to the MLB is just unheard of. This just goes to show you that if you work hard, you can really do amazing things with time and effort. Since his career ended, Jim has started an organization to help people with Tourette's syndrome. He has continued to travel the country to tell his story and how grit and determination can allow you to achieve your dreams, no matter what stands in your way. The whole MLB understands how Jim did and how much work he put into his game, and really what he was able to get out of it. Now, Andrew, let's move on to the birthday of the day. One of the best NFL players of all time. Who is it? Ryan, it is Franco Harris. He is unanimously the best fullback of all time. No, I said that right. Not running back, but fullback. Is probably, many of you know, fullback. That Kyle Juszczyk on the 49ers? Yes, he does play fullback, and he's basically the only other famous one that I know of. But, Franco Harris was phenomenal. And, he is known for the most famous NFL play in NFL history. Personally, I don't agree with that, but that was the vote in 20, I believe, 18. And, in a game where, surprisingly, Terry Bradshaw was his quarterback, now the NFL announcer, when he was playing on Steelers, and... They were playing the Raiders. They are down by one at their own 30-yard line. Couldn't go for a field goal. Two seconds to go. No timeout. They had to get the ball into the end zone. And they knew that they didn't have a very tall receiver. So they went for a pass across the field. And then they were going to do a bunch of ladders. So, Terry Bradshaw drops back. He jukes a couple. He spins back. He spins. Gets a good look. Throws to a wide open receiver, but oh, a cornerback comes out of nowhere, punches the ball, spikes it into the ground, game over, it hits the, oh my god, wait, Franco Harris is streaking down the sideline, he caught the ball, the def- the defender did not hit the ball into the ground, he hit it right into Franco Harris' face, Franco Harris catches the ball, he's down the sideline, he has two guys right on him, he throws one off, he hits another with his helmet, both guys fall, he has another guy, another guy's holding on to him, he's stiff arm, stiff arm, can't get him off, can't get him off, and he's got to get in, he's got to get in, and then, he falls in, Franco Harris scores off the tipped Ball hits him in the helmet, shakes off three defenders to get into the end zone to win the game to beat the Raiders. Personally, as much as I really made that sound incredible, to be honest, it was just a really incredible run and very, very lucky timing. Obviously, Franco Harris is one of the best players in NFL history, but that will go down as one of the best plays in NFL history. Happy birthday, Franco Harris. Sure, you're still remembering that phenomenal play. Now, Ryan, let's get to the rundown in sports news around the world. Ryan, some sad news for all NHL fans. One of 
if not the best NHL player of all time, Wayne Gretzky, had his father pass away, I believe, just a couple of days ago. And they really mourned the loss. And we hope that his family can be okay. And Wayne Gretzky will be okay. And also, I believe a former Wild member, or maybe it was New York Rangers, I'm sorry, I forgot, was found dead in Minnesota after having a very successful NHL career. Now, in other news around the sports world. Apparently, at Kansas, Les Miles, their coach, will take a leave of absence after, I believe, doing some stuff or maybe a scandal of some sort. And then, we have to remember that even though the podcast is over, next week, we will have more NBA. We will know exactly what happened in the All-Star game, and we will definitely tell you and. One week closer to the MLB, and either next week or the week after that, we will have an interview with either our sports writer of Noah Frank talking about the MLB, or we will have our friend Kane, who I believe was on here once, and we will know what happens in all sports next week on Twin Talk MN.